Good morning, and again we greet you, precious name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Could we studied about this morning? Very practical uh, lesson again. First John, and just to to hear the word, let it sink in with each one of us. I had to think of a verse. Uh, we were going through the lesson in Amos 3, 3. It says, can two walk together except they be agreed? For whatever reason, that, that verse just kind of popped, popped in my mind. Can you two walk together? Talk about walking in fellowship, walking in love. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Um, just looking at what the Lord has laid upon my heart here this morning just want to be a willing vessel um, in his hands hopefully the word of God uh, is spoken clearly the uh, the title that I've chosen is uh, charity covers a multitude of sins and just hearing that my heart kind of skips a beat because that's a big subject um, and I just given the, the amount of time that I have, um, it could be lopsided one side or the other. And uh, I just appreciate the Sunday school lesson and, and just the clarity of uh, bringing out the side of, you know, the redemption through Jesus Christ, true forgiveness of sins and justification from sins, which means just as if I have never sinned, can only be founded on Jesus' work on Calvary by his shed blood. And I just want to make that clear from the start. As we think of uh, just the different verses in Scripture, um, I'm going to be basically reading quite a bit of Scripture this morning and just kind of comparing Scripture to Scripture. As we think of the possibility, maybe in in the world's mind or maybe in our minds of of trying to cover our own sins um, the Bible talks about that as well so we're going to go through it and talk about maybe how uh, our relationship our fellowship is with God as an individual and um, our relationship with with others and um, how that fellowship there uh, love or charity can pave a way for that and then also in the church and, and church discipline and and charity um, in that so it's kind of a big subject this morning as we think of you know our relationship with God Psalm 103 12 says as far as the east is from the west so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. So by doing that, we admit that we have sinned and we're all sinners. And we look at our relationship with God. Uh, God is able to, to overlook our sins. He doesn't forget our sins. He separates it as far as from the east as for the west. But it's not a nagging reminder. It's not a continual grieving process that I forgave you but do you remember this and this and this every time 
he forgives us, he adds to that pile. You know, I forgive you, but just remember you did this, 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 and this. Just remember I did this, 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 and this, and this, and this. And you go through our life and there's a whole stack of sins that God continues to, to lay in front of us and, and just carry that baggage. Um, he doesn't do that. He said, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Romans 5, 6 through 11. I'm just going to read it for you. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy, there's that word, joy in God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. God wants us to live in joy. He wants us to live life to the fullest. Um, he removes our sins as far as the east as from the west. If we try to, to cover our own sins, do it on our own merit, think of the story of, of Adam and Eve in the garden. Um, they had a good relationship with God. We could say they had a good fellowship with God. But there was something that came in between there, some conflict that happened. And Adam and Eve felt shame. They felt naked. What did they do? Did they just right away go to God and say, we have sinned? They tried to, to cover themselves and to hide themselves from God. And God was, God was there. He, he walked and he asked where they were. What happened? Did you eat of that tree? And their sin and their shame just came up to the surface. They tried to hide their shame. They tried to hide their nakedness. God searched them out, faced the consequences for their sin, but they were able to move on. They were able to move on. They have sinned. God sufficiently covered them with animal skins and just gave them hope for life. He didn't strike them dead. He gave them life, but the spiritual life was damaged. Proverbs 28, verse 13 is another short little verse. Carries a lot of meaning. Proverbs 28, 13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. He that covereth. This is a continual action. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. We think of another example, if you want to turn with me to Psalm 32. This is a somewhat of a familiar psalm. We think of David. Psalm 32. David um, had sin in his life. 
just trying to deny it, trying to hide it, doing different things, adding on to his sins. We'll read what David had to say here. Psalm 32, verses 1 through 5. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Selah. Verse 5, I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Selah. For this shall every one that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Sorry, I'm going to read through verse 7. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. So if you just think of where David was at, the strained relationship, the strained fellowship, it was from him trying to hide his sins. And where he was at the beginning and where he was at the end, he was willing to confess his sins. And the song came back to him. The fellowship of God came back to him. So we think about our relationships with each other. As God through Jesus Christ hath covered our sins, when we repent, this love that was shown to us, it extends to others in our relationship around us. Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews 10, 16 through 25 reads like this. Hebrews 10, 16, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds while I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiness, holiest by the blood of Christ, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And having an high priest over the house of God, here it is, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more 
as you say, see the day approaching. So instead of hiding or avoiding godliness before it, it reminds us of sin, the closer we walk with, with God and we realize our need of sin, maybe the, the more we walk in, in the light of his, God's presence and, and fellowship with each other, and um, maybe if there's sin in our lives, sometimes how can two walk together unless they be agreed? You really don't feel like being reminded of that. But these scriptures tell us we need to reach out. We need to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but exhort one another. We need to move towards that to have fellowship. We need to do our part as well. As Kevin was saying this morning, as far as receiving a gift, we do have to reach out. It does take action on our part. Could this action, could this love and good works be the same thought as charity covers a multitude of sins? Let's look into to what 1 Peter has to say. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4. This is the first time we're going to come across charity shall cover a multitude of sins. 1 Peter chapter 4. Just a few verses here, but <clears throat> these verses are, are very powerful. First Peter 4, 7 through 9. But the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. So I'm going to read in that section. Have fervent charity among yourselves and do this. You go back. But the end of all things is at hand. The end of all things is at hand. There's an urgency. A call to be to be sober, to, to think, stop, think about it, um, and watch unto prayer. This fervent charity, um, Louis in his prayer basically prayed that I would speak the bold, boldness of the word of God with, with fervency, with fervent. Um, what are you expecting <laughs> by that? I don't get up here and jump around with fervency. Uh, fervency means basically boldness with um, basically sometimes could be just power above and beyond what we ourselves are capable of doing. And that's not for show. That's just realizing that I'm standing in front of you working through these very same issues um, to speak the truth of the word with fervency. Um, God can use me and speak through that. So it, to have fervent charity, to have charity, to have love, uh, we can think about love 
in different ways. You know, the Greek word has uh, phileo, which is kind of friendly, uh, and that's kind of what was mentioned earlier, you know, to have fellowship, to have camaraderie with someone as you're playing sports together. You know, there's a team spirit there. Uh, that's camaraderie that can be just enjoying the, the friendship, not necessarily on a deeper level. Um, you could have romantic love where it's, it's physical, but it just doesn't go very, go very deep. Agape love is this love that takes it to the next level in relationships. Have fervent charity among yourselves. And then he goes, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Now what, what does that mean? Fervent charity. Is it above what we can do on our own? I believe it is. I believe the Holy Spirit working in us, like we said before, as Jesus Christ works in our life and we extend this to the relationships around us, that the Holy Spirit can help us to have that fervency, to have that fervent charity. In John 21, you don't have to turn there, but just looking at the, the account when, when Peter and Jesus at the you know, when Jesus was gone through trial, Peter had denied him. And in the strange relationship there, I think between Peter and, and Jesus, and Peter had actually said, I will go to, to death. I won't deny you. What did Peter do? Peter did deny him. And then John 21, um, Peter basically said, I, I, I'm just going fishing. I'm going fishing. The disciples said, I'm going with you. And um, Jesus, of course, met with them. And Jesus asked Peter three times, Peter, do you love me? He didn't say, Peter, now let, let me sit you down. Let me, let me talk about what happened. Um, you know, that, that hurt me, and it did. And I think they both knew, knew the denial, hurt him. It was a strained relationship. Jesus said, do you love me? Do you love me, Peter? And Peter, of course, said, yeah, I, I, I love you, but this Greek word is, you know, I, I, I like you. And um, Jesus said, feed my lambs. Peter, uh, Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? The third time, do you love me? What was Jesus trying to get at? He was giving Peter the responsibility of leading his church and the relationship between Jesus and Peter, I think, was restored there. And Jesus didn't have to say a lot of words, but Peter was willing by his life to turn things around. And that is very clear in the, in the rest of Scripture. Is this what, is this what it means to, to cover um, sins, willing to admit the relationship was strained but willing to, to not bring up sins, not bring up things from the past, always to, to run somebody down, to maybe overlook offenses in order to move forward in a relationship to try to reconcile things. Another account I want you to turn with me is uh, John chapter 8. And this, uh, this account, again, is, is Jesus 
And Jesus was in a situation here that, um, of course, Jesus knows everything. But if we were put in a situation like this, uh, how would you respond? How would you react? This is about um, a woman caught in adultery. And we're just going to see how, how Jesus was able to, um, to work through this difficult relationship and uh, what we can learn from that. So John chapter 8, I want to read verses 1 through 12. John 8, starting to read at verse 1. Jesus went up into the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple. And all the people came unto him, and he sat down and he's taught them. Just going to pause right there. So here we have the scenes. The scene of, of Jesus, uh, how many people were there? I, I could picture quite a few people that were, that were around. Um, Jesus was teaching them, they were listening. Let's move into verse 3. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery. In the very act, now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might accuse, that may, sorry, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down with his finger, wrote on the ground, as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lift up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Verse 9, And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are thine thou sorry, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life going to stop reading there. So we see this situation and a commentary Adam Clark said adultery was ex was exceeding commonplace at this time so common that the Jews had ceased to put this law to force against it and the Romans were were the only ones who could actually carry out an execution in that day. But the Romans themselves didn't require death for adultery. So if you think about that, think about that situation, 
what happens when, when there's a law and it's not enforced. Usually you find lawlessness. Um, oftentimes there's probably people that are breaking the law because they know they, nothing's going to be done about it. So you could see, if this is true, you know, adultery, adultery was commonplace back then. So Jesus was kind of caught in the middle. We could say he was caught in the middle, but Jesus knew all things. He knew he, what he would do. Uh, but as a teacher, he was entitled to give, give an answer. Um, so they were all listening to what uh, they would just, what Jesus would tell them to do. Would he side with the, with the Jews, require her to be punished by death as Moses' law would require? And we could go back and read that law. It's Leviticus 20, verse 10, Deuteronomy 22, 22. I'm not going to take the time to read that, but just give you those references that it actually is in Moses' law. If Jesus would have done that, Jesus probably would be overstepping his authority and enforcing something the Jewish people were likely guilty of themselves, and, and Jesus couldn't execute anybody. Um, I mean, <laughs> he could, but lawfully in that the Romans were the only ones to carry it out. Um, but if he would just let her go without acknowledging the sin, um, you know, Jesus was telling people about their sin, their need to, to repent. He would be conveying to the people they didn't need to heed Moses' law or the Jewish leaders. You could just, eh, just ignore it, keep doing what you're doing. So those who condemned the woman said they were convicted. They were convicted in their own conscience. I think likely of their, they were guilty of the same sin. I, that's just my, my thoughts as reading through this, reading through commentary. But Jesus didn't turn around and uh, make this a gossip session, said, over there is such and such. Uh, he's guilty of adultery because he did this and this and this. This person is guilty of such and such because this is what he did. He simply seemed like he was quiet. He stooped down to the ground. He wrote in the dust with his finger. No verbal argument, no backbiting, no juicy information shared in gossip that would ruin the reputation of the leaders. Jesus simply just wrote in the ground, and I think there was, I'm guessing, a pretty good crowd around there. This, um, this exchange I could see as done with the, the woman that was caught in adultery, maybe just the, the Jewish leaders that were maybe huddled around. Um, so if Jesus wrote something in the dust with his finger, how many people could actually see it? Could the crowd see what was going on? John is writing the account. He doesn't have recorded what was going on. Uh, I think this is just maybe communicating with, with the group that was around there. Jesus had a way of, of communicating without actually speaking. He was communicating temporarily with what he had. He had his finger, he had the dust, but he was writing on the ground. 
And one by one, I can maybe see the younger ones kind of looking to the leadership of the older ones. <laughs> what are we going to do? Um, and maybe if they had a stone in their hand, um, they would drop it, turn, and, and walk away. Maybe some of them were frustrated. Maybe they chucked the stone to the side and they, they turned and, and walked away. So all the people that came to accuse this woman, they turned and walked away to the point where it said there wasn't anyone there. Now, whether that's the accusers, whether that's the crowd, I think it's the accusers. Who has accused thee? Nobody. Hath no man condemned thee? So what silenced them? I think the love, the charity that Jesus had, I think the guilt. He acknowledged the sin, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Just as I read down through there, just, just powerful. Adam Clark notes Jesus' actions by writing in the dust with his finger to avoid condemning the sinner to death indicates that Jesus would not have that which he wrote so much to be known. It was not recorded in scripture what was written. Let men learn from hence never to write but when it is necessary or useful. To do it with humility and modestly and to do it on the principle of charity. How widely does Christ differ from men? He writes his divine thoughts in the dust. Those men probably wish to have them cut into marble engraved on brass. Maybe if we bring that in today's society. How many times do we write things down, maybe in a text, in a message? In social media, that information can get spread rapidly. Charity cover the multitude of sins. Is that, is that what Jesus was looking at? Just a question for you. I think the crowd was listening, like I said, after Jesus might have had this discussion with the woman and the men left. Was there any point of having the words left in the dust? It's not in scripture. My imagination, Jesus, as people were maybe coming up and trying to read what it was, Jesus could have just moved his foot and uh, just erased what was there. Um, because it served its purpose. The people didn't need, need to know what was written there. And that's just my, that's my take on the situation. Let's move on. A couple um, proverbs. Proverbs, of course, leads us to, to a lot of thinking. Two proverbs that I want to bring to your, to your attention. If you want to turn there, you can. I have them written down. Proverbs 10 Verse 12 has this saying, Proverbs 10, verse 12, Hatred stirreth up strifes, but love covereth all sins. 
Hatred stirreth up strife, but love covereth all sins. Do you see the opposites in that verse? Hatred, strife. It's not working towards peace, unity. Hatred wants revenge. Charity is willing to set aside the offenses in order to build up the relationship. And then Proverbs 17, verse 9, a couple chapters back. Proverbs 17, 9, he that covereth a transgression seeketh love. He that covereth a transgression seeketh love. But he that reapeth a matter, sorry, he that repeateth, he that repeateth a matter separateth very friends. Think about that. He that covereth a transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth the matter separateth very friends. And then turn with me to James chapter 5. James chapter 5 has a couple verses here. Has this very same uh, meaning. James 5, verses 19 and 20. Brethren, this is talking about, yeah, brotherhood, Christian, Christian. Brethren, if any of you err, do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. It's worth reading those verses again. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Oftentimes, gossip, slander can do more long-term damage then at the time, just overlooking someone's faults or private sins, that they don't need to be exposed to everybody if they're willing to, to repent. Um, there is a time to, to look at the offenses, what happened, learn from them, but eventually we do need to, to move on. And just a challenge for those that find themselves in a relationship that, that you know, some, some sharing is going on, uh, just keep that information confidential. You don't have to broadcast that information to everybody. I'm going to read for you, and you could turn to 1 Corinthians 13. Um, I'm just going to read verses 4 to 8 and verse 13. And I'm going to read it in the Amplified. So it's going to be a little, little harder as you, as you follow along, but there's some meanings here that I would really like to, to bring out as we think of, if we, as we think about charity covering a multitude of, of sins, we, we look at charity, we, we look at love and um, how this love is manifested. And this is where I can see the fervent charity. You know, this oftentimes we can hardly do it on our own. Um, 
we need the Holy Spirit to help us, to guide us through this. So I'm just going to read 1 Corinthians 13, starting at verse 4 in the Amplified. Love endures with patience and serenity. Love is kind and thoughtful, is not jealous or envious. Love does not brag and is not proud or arrogant. Verse 5 is what I really want to look at. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not provoked, nor overly sensitive or easily angered. It does not take into account into account a wrong endured. And just pause there. The NIV says, "Keep no records of wrongs." Verse six. It does not rejoice at injustice, but rejoices with the truth when right and truth prevail. Love bears all things, regardless of what comes. Believes all things, looking for the best in each one. Hopes all things, remaining steadfast during very difficult times. Endures all things without weakening. Love never fails. It never fades or ends. And then verse 13, and now there remained faith, which is abiding trust in God and his promises, hope, confident expectation of eternal salvation, love, which is unselfish love for others, growing out of God's love for me. These three, the choices, graces, but the greatest of these is love. And we've kind of used charity um, intertwined there with love. First um, Corinthians 13 is just full of, full of uh, just I think practical things. As we look through it, and I think it's, it's beyond ourselves, we need to pray for the Holy Spirit to help us through that. A quote that I ran across, charity is like pouring water and not oil on a flame that's about ready to go out of control. Charity is like pouring water and not oil on that flame. One's goal is to extinguish the flame before that damage or before it gets out of control. Oil, of course, is made to magnify that flame, which can do more damage. In our relationships, our goal should be peace, should be reconciliation without the expense of others' reputation. God wants us to be seeking reconciliation between each other, and I believe you are. I believe you are. Um, I, I, I do. Um, there's some things I think we all need to work through in relationships, but we are encouraged that you're continuing on. You are continuing on. We also recognize, and I don't want to deny this, that um, you can't, I'm not talking about sweeping sins under the rug here. Uh, There are times when public confession is needed. This is the things that we don't like to talk about, and we could say it's 11 o'clock and let's go home. (laughs) 
I'm just going to touch on, on it. I want to read for you in our standard booklet and page 8. All sins affect the power and testimony of the church. Confession of sin shall be made personally to God. And we kind of covered that. Where individual relationships and influences are involved, suitable confession shall be made. Open transgression, such as fornication, adultery, lawsuits, drunkenness, dishonesty, and persistent worldly pleasure-seeking shall be confessed publicly in accordance to the scriptures. And we covered some of those scriptures. I'm going to cover one more here. So looking at dealing with the heart. The other scripture that I, that's brought out in the, the standard booklet that, um, that I didn't cover so far, and I'll just read it for you. It's, it's in Acts 19. This is the, the seven sons of Sceva and then kind of the situation there. And um, Acts 19, 18 through 20, I'll just read it. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also which used curious arts, brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. So here we see uh, just a lot of them involved in um, just evil practices, sorcery. And uh, they were to, to confess this in front of the group bring their books and burn it. And because of that, they were blessed. That joy, I believe, was, was returned to them. Another um, section of verses that talks about bringing the sin before all, before the church, uh, is in 1 Timothy chapter 5. And this actually talks about leadership. And uh, leadership as it is a blessing, a tremendous responsibility, part of that responsibility is we are accountable to you, we are accountable to God. And um, yeah, it's, I, I wanna read that for you, I have it here, it's 1 Timothy 5, 17 through 22. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. Here we go, 19. Against an elder receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. Them that sin rebuke before all, that others also may fear. I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels, that thou observe these things without preferring one before another, doing nothing by partiality. Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins. Keep thyself pure. Just wanted to bring that out. Again, as we as a ministry are accountable to you, and um, if there's anything that we do, we preach that is heresy, um, feel free to to come to us um, here it says you know two or three 
might be pretty intimidating for us as ministry, but we do open ourselves up to you for that. Um, and just that, that fellowship, that brotherhood that we do have, and we as a ministry are not above you all in that. In closing, um, as I was just trying to think of, of how, to, how to summarize this, you know, we are to love unconditionally, there it says, without partiality. We are to, to communicate um, without trying to necessarily always run somebody else down to fix the issue, to win the argument. It, it, it's a seeking peace, uh, trying to understand the other person's viewpoint and perspective, asking questions to try to understand it better. Um, I came across, I don't know where it was uh, a little while ago, and I couldn't find it, but I'm going to try to explain it to you the best I can. Um, it was an older, an older couple that uh, just was, was asked the secret to, to their good marriage. You know, why, why did you feel you had a good, good marriage? And this is where I'm going to try to explain it. I, I don't have it in front of me, but it said early on in their marriage, each one made a list of things that they'd want their spouse to be able to forgive them for. So if I would take this and, and my wife, um, I would be thinking, well, what's something that I want my spouse to forgive me for? Um, maybe I would put down falling asleep quickly and snoring while she's sitting there thinking. Um, I would want her to forgive me for that. Um, maybe if I brush my teeth and I tap my toothbrush on the, the sink and the water splatters all over her nice clean mirror, I want her to, to be forgive me for that. I want her to forgive me for maybe my um, critical attitude. Um, I, know I want her to forgive me for just not always communicating that well and to make a list and thinking of what I could do that that I would want her to forgive me but just acknowledging my part in it and uh, charity would do the same thing and um, I'm not gonna even go there I think hopefully you can <laughs> kind of figure that out from there some things that she would want me to forgive her for and they exchanged lists, so this was, this was on paper. They exchanged lists and um, committed to keep their, their promise that if something came up that uh, they were willing to, to forgive them if uh, that was on the list. Now what they did is they, they basically committed to communicate, to work through it, and if it's on the list, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna forget it. Well, over the years, uh, of course, they got older, and life got busier, and they were enjoying communicating, and they, they just enjoyed the fellowship that they were having as, as a couple, and they both put away their, their papers. Um, and when something came up that kind of irritated the next one, they were willing to communicate, and they would say, I forgive you because it was probably on that paper, and I can't remember what was on that paper anymore. 
So they were able to overlook, overlook those sins, overlook those irritations, those offenses. Um, and that's what they recommended was the secret to their success in marriage. So as we looked at love covers a multitude of sins, hopefully that the scriptures were clear. Hopefully I understood them well. I do open myself up uh, to your counsel if uh, I did basically explain something differently than, than what the scripture says, but I believe um, to my knowledge that is, that is where scriptures are coming at um, and keeps no records of wrongs. So um, I think let's all stand um, for a word of prayer and then remain standing. We'll have a closing song and then I'll close the service. So let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we just, um, again, humble ourselves in your presence. Lord, we, we think about our fellowship with you, our relationship with you, and it's all because of you and Jesus, your shed blood for us that we can have remission of sins. And Lord, we just acknowledge that, and we thank you for that. So often we take for granted, um, but help us in our as we uh, just take that love, that fervent charity, and extend that to others around us and, and forgiveness and uh, just patience and all those um, yeah, descriptions there in 1 Corinthians 13. Lord, that is above us. I just ask for your prayer or for your uh, grace, for your um, spirit to, to continue to work in our lives. Lord, I thank you for what you are doing and uh, the yeah, how you continue to work in our lives and uh, we're obedient to, to your word. Lord, continue to just guide and direct us as we think of uh, communion next Sunday. Lord, just continue to prepare our hearts um, just to, to have that time of, of worship and communion with you. And Lord, I, I just thank you and praise you and give you the honor and glory. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. They just remain standing for a song.